The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 178. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page, at Brian McClanahan. And, of course, subscribe to my YouTube page, at Brian McClanahan. Also, go out and pick up my new course, American Constitutions, at McClanahanAcademy.com. You don't want to be missing out. It is the best, most comprehensive course in the Constitution I've ever produced. And um, I've done some other stuff with the Constitution. So it's a really great course. Um, and it is a way to support the Brian McClanahan Show. So go to McClanahan Academy. It's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. But I do have five course offerings there. So you can pick up one of those, help support the show that way. You can also help support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Also, while you're at brianmcclanahan.com, give me an email address and I will give you a free ebook uh, for Grotten Founders. And you'll also get an audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. And of course, you'll get some emails from me every now and then. So hopefully, you know, you'll read those emails and uh, keep in touch with what's going on with the Brian McClanahan show. All right. All of that said, I want to talk about an issue today that I actually sort of cover in the American Constitutions class. In fact, I'm going to go at this two different ways. Um, and I'm going to base it on some current events. We, we know that uh, Kanye West just visited the White House uh, this week. And uh, Kanye West uh, had made a statement on social media at one point that he said that uh, he wanted to abolish the 13th Amendment. Now, everyone immediately jumped on and said, "What? you're crazy? That's the amendment that abolishes slavery. Of course, there's the unknown part of the 13th Amendment that allows slavery to exist uh, if you're incarcerated. And so Wes quickly backtracked and said, oh, no, that's the part I'm talking about. And that's, that's an interesting topic. It's one that I do cover uh, in, in the American Constitutions class and that particular part of the amendment. He's exactly right that the 13th Amendment does not abolish slavery outright. If you are incarcerated, you can be enslaved by the state uh, to actually go out and, uh, and pick up trash or make big rocks into little rocks or whatever, whatever, make license plates, whatever they want you to do, you can legally be enslaved by the state if you are incarcerated. So uh, West is talking about judicial reform there and what needs to happen and, and uh, prison reform to ensure that uh, particularly minorities aren't... Uh, uh, overly incarcerated. And uh, somebody asked me to do a podcast on that. There's really not a whole lot to say. I mean, there, there was a point in the 20th century where um, you did have a situation where historians have gone back and looked at it and said, well, you know, there were a lot of African-Americans being uh, arrested and put in prison without cause. But uh, the idea was to somehow reinstitute slavery. Um, there's not much conclusive proof to that other than, yeah, large numbers of African-Americans were being put in prison. Was that because they were being unjustly targeted or was it because they were breaking laws or what was, I mean, so you have to look at those particular situations and I'm not, I'm not certain if there was any direct evidence that anyone ever said, you know what we need to do? We need to go out and use our prison systems to reinstitute slavery. There was a lot of opposition to this because that, that labor system, of course, these prisoners aren't paid anything. And so uh, private capital was being choked out by these uh, uh, prison gang labor forces. And so there was that aspect of it that I think is interesting. And um, it's often one of the one of the areas that prisoners uh, prison labor programs are critiqued because 
Uh, if they're going to go out and cut grass and do things like that, well, that takes away those activities from private capital to, to go and, and, and do these type of things. Now, of course, the state's response to that is, well, they're cutting grass on state property. They're cutting grass on highways, or they're picking up trash on highways. These are things that uh, you know private companies can't do because this is state property. Well, why not? I mean, why couldn't you have private companies do these things? So this is, it, it's uh, you know, why not hire people out to go pick up trash? That would be actually not a bad idea. Instead of relying on the prisoners to come out like once a month to go do this stuff, you could have people out there cleaning up trash on highways all the time. Uh, you could have people getting involved in these things all the time. So you could have these private contracts. I mean, we we hire private contracts to build these things. Why not uh, have private contracts to maintain and, and keep them up, even in terms of just beautification? Um, that might not be a bad idea. But I digress from that. This is an interesting issue with the 13th Amendment. But what I want to talk about today is not that 13th Amendment, but the original 13th Amendment, which is uh, the amendment that's often called the Corwin Amendment, though Corwin wasn't the first to write this. In fact, the proper author of the quote-unquote Corwin Amendment is actually William Henry Seward. And so this is an interesting part of American history. The original 13th Amendment would have would have uh, made it illegal for the general government to abolish slavery in the states. Now, it did not make slavery permanent. It did not say the states could not abolish slavery. It just said the general government could not abolish slavery. Now, this was a big deal in 1861. And thankfully, uh, it was one of these things that's kind of been swept aside and nobody really ever talked about until Lincoln started getting a lot of criticism and people started bringing this up, particularly libertarians, saying, you know, uh, what, about, what about the Corwin Amendment? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, if the war was all about slavery then why, why didn't the South come back in when the Republicans offered the Corwin Amendment? Why did they say, you know, we're staying out? If it was all about slavery, why did they say we're, we're staying out of the Union? It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. And I'll tell you why it was irrelevant. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute for a couple of reasons. Um, but this, this history of this amendment kind of People knew about it. It was mentioned in some books here and there. and you, But nothing had ever been written in a comprehensive way about the politics behind this amendment, what was actually going on, why this thing was actually proposed, and who proposed it, um, and what the intent was. And I want to talk about it from, a, from an originalist standpoint uh, as well and, um, and discuss it that way. But let's start with, with the idea of the Corwin Amendment. So in 1861, and, and the book that I'm talking about here is written by Daniel Crofts. Daniel Crofts, let me just explain who Daniel Crofts is. He's, he's, uh, he taught at uh, what's the College of New Jersey, which it was uh, at one time uh, Trenton State College or Univer Trenton State University in New Jersey. Um, and then they changed their name to the College of New Jersey. That created a big stink to it at one point because Princeton at one time was the College of New Jersey. And then uh, so when Trenton State became the College of New Jersey, Princeton got very upset about that and want, didn't want to use that name. Silly stuff. But Trenton State was, is an actually it's, it's a very good school um, there in, in Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, it's a, it's a mid-level you know, uh, in terms of size uh, college, uh, it, it's, but it's a good academic school. Um, and uh, Crofts taught there for years, and he wrote a book uh, back in the, I think it was in the 80s, the mid-80s, A Reluctant Confederates. He, he wrote a book on these Upper South Unionists and how there was a large block of Southerners who were not comfortable with leaving the Union, 
And this was a very interesting book because it does show that there was some dissent about uh, the situation. And these people were not just, they weren't uh, abolitionists. They weren't non-slaveholders. A lot of these guys had a lot of slaves. And yet they were still reluctant to leave the Union. One of the arguments that they gave was that slavery was better protected in the Union than out of it. And if they left the Union, of course, slavery would be abolished. And so these guys were saying, we don't need to leave the Union. That would be dangerous for us. In the long term, it would be dangerous. So he wrote this pretty good book on on these reluctant Confederates and and what was going on there when you had uh, this negotiation period right after South Carolina leaves and, of course, the Deep South leaves. And then you have secession rejected in Virginia, North Carolina, and uh, in Tennessee. Uh, These states rejected secession. Uh, outright rejected it, said we're not, we're not going. So then you had the Lincoln administration, particularly William Seward, trying to court these Confederates, these reluctant Confederates, ultimately Confederates, but these Southerners, trying to court them to get them to stay in the Union. And see, if the war was just about slavery, the slavery would have still would have existed had these states stayed in the Union. The war was not about slavery. Uh, the war itself was about maintaining the Union. So for whatever reason these states seceded, that's a whole other question as to what the war was about. The war was about maintaining the Union. And the Republican Party, even people like William H. Seward, would have done that at almost all cost. At almost all cost. So this is where the Corwin Amendment becomes interesting. So Daniel Crofts, he's retired now, he writes this book, uh, Lincoln and the Politics of Slavery, the Other 13th Amendment, and the Struggle to Save the Union. What Lincoln does, or what, what Crofts does is recognize that the Republican Party, and he's, he's directly attacking what's now the, the righteous cause myth uh, that's, that's uh, popular by people like James Oakes and others, which is just complete garbage. Uh, what he does, he, he's, Crofts is not pro-Southern. He thinks that he doesn't blame the, he doesn't blame secession on the North. He blames it on the South. He blames it on pro, pro, pro-slavery Southerners who left the Union. So I mean, in that way, he's 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 mainstream. He's establishment. But what he does is say, look, uh, the, the the idea that somehow the the North was fighting to free slaves is completely that's hogwash. It's bunk. They were fighting to save the Union. And Lincoln's primary objective the entire time was saving the Union. That's it. Saving the Union. And so he brings up this 13th, the other 13th Amendment, the one that was proposed and actually made it through the Congress by a two-thirds majority and went to the states for ratification. And some states ratified the amendment, which would have made the abolition of slavery illegal by the general government. Now, he bring, he, he starts the book with a, with a debate between two Southerners. Two Southerners. Talking, or uh, I'm sorry, two two Democrats, I should say, not two Southerners, but two Democrats, talking about this particular issue. And uh, one of the Democrats, of course, is Stephen Douglas, and the other is Mason of Virginia. And Mason stands up and says, "Look, this whole idea of uh, an amendment that would, and this is during the debate, an amendment that would somehow make it to where the Congress could not abolish slavery. This is a this is a moot point because you know we already understand that nobody in the South." Nobody thinks that the general government is going to abolish slavery in the states. They can't. The real issue is the territories. 
And of course, Douglas said, no, no, come on now. That's not that we we've already we've already bent on that. We've already we've already given up on slavery in the territory. We've, we've already got the introduction of slavery in the territories. That's all. I mean, this has all been quietly worked out. But you had these two Democrats debating this issue, and I think Mason's point is instructive when you start talking about the issues during this secession winter that were volatile. I mean, the Union has been broken apart at that point. And what are they going to do about it? Is Lincoln going to invade? Is Lincoln going to coerce the states? What's he going to do? What is That was the real question when Lincoln went into Washington. What is Lincoln going to do? Is he going to insist that the laws are followed? Is he going to is he going to try to pull an Andrew Jackson? Is he going to try to pull a George Washington and march the the militia into the southern states without their permission and try to coerce them? If he tries that, the southern states that had not left had already made it clear they're not going to stand for that. They won't stand for coercion. So something else has to happen here. And this was the waiting period. I mean, there was actually a belief that if Lincoln didn't take aggressive measures, maybe, and if we could have this new 13th Amendment, maybe the southern states would come back in the Union. But their stand was, you can't, you can't even do this anyways. You can't have an, I mean, this amendment is pointless. Because we already understand you cannot abolish slavery in the southern states. Nobody's saying that's going to happen. Now, Crofts thinks that somehow Southerners did believe that. Even when they say they didn't, <laughs> uh, this this is the the hard part. This is where he's much like James Oakes, uh, and I actually had a a troll the other day on my social media page, and um, he started getting into this, and he started. I said because in an email I sent out a while back, saying that you know no Southerner argued that the that the states could do anything. No no Southerner argued otherwise. When I said that, my intent was to say that uh, no Southerner said that. Slavery was legal in Massachusetts. No, no Southerner argued that point. No Southerner really argued that uh, the states would somehow be coerced and that slavery would be made illegal in the states, that the general government could do that. No Southerner really argued that. What they worried about was slavery in the territories, which was essentially a symbolic thing because there were only about, I don't know, 50 slaves in the entire Western territories in 1861. Hardly any out there. This is just about principle. It was about the Constitution, what the powers of the general government were. It all went back to powers. What I argue over and over again, this goes back to power. It's not about a moral issue. It's about political power. What kind of political power would the South have? What kind of political power would the North have? And how the territories fit into that process. So this 13th Amendment is is passed the Seward Amendment, essentially. William H. Seward, the guy that's all, here's, here's the higher law guy. Here's the guy that's saying we got to stop. There's, there's a higher law in the Constitution. Now he's, he's in favor of an amendment that would essentially perpetuate slavery in the southern states until they decide to abolish it. Doesn't sound very abolitionist. But it was the, it was the price that people like Seward and even Lincoln, who was behind it, he mentioned in his inaugural address, I understand there's an amendment. I'm for this amendment. We just want you to stay in the Union. We're not going to abolish slavery in the southern states. It's not going to happen. We're not doing that. We just want to keep slaves out of the territories. Knowing full well that keeping slaves out of the territories would eventually lead to free states. And see, this is where uh, this this troll pointed out, well, you have this this Dixon Amendment. The guy says, uh, we want to make sure that slavery is there in any future states. Right. Because... They understood that the states could make a decision. So if they're not actually starting to say through legislation, 
or an amendment that the general government has some role over slavery in the states. This is the whole point. He couldn't get that. He couldn't get out of his own way because the guy was just too stupid to understand. He's a graduate student at the University of Illinois, and I'll just say that. So, the the 13th Amendment was a bad amendment because, particularly for originalism, it was a faulty idea from the beginning. It was a faulty idea from the beginning because, again, Congress had no role over slavery in the states. But, interestingly enough, uh, the... Republicans, and, and Croft does a nice job getting into the weeds here. If you're a political historian, you're really going to like this book uh, because he does get into the back and forth and why this why this particular uh, issue was brought up this way or, or who was arguing this point. And he brings in these Upper South Unionists and, uh, and how are they uh, factored into this decision. Uh, the idea was courting these people. Can we court these Upper South Unionists? Can we get these people... To not leave and stay in the because I mean, we can't abolish we won't abolish slavery in North Carolina then or Virginia we won't do it we're not going to do it uh, that's an interesting that's an interesting part of this history I think and one that's that's often ignored uh, now the question is did this fit with originalism and this is what Mason would say I think that Southerners who were opposed to this thing were right on. The Constitution is silent on the general government with slavery other than the international slave trade in 1808. Other than that, the general government has no control over slavery. This is why people like Philip Pendleton Barber, uh, who was certainly in agreement that the general government could regulate slavery in the territories. He's a Virginian. He's saying, yeah, we can do that. But we can't. I mean, we're not even going to listen to an issue like a, a petition uh, that would come in during the gag rule period. We're not going to listen to these things. This is completely stupid. We have no control over slavery in the states. This is a bad idea to even listen to these petitions. That's just idiotic. So why even waste congressional time on that? The question could, the same question could be asked with this other 13th Amendment. Why even waste congressional, congressional debate, time, or energy on an amendment that we already know is not going to have any impact whatsoever on the powers of Congress? Because Congress cannot legislate for the states on the issue of slavery. To argue that point would be to fly in the face of the entire uh, history of the Constitution. This was never even considered by the founding generation that somehow the general government had any control over slavery, north and south. Nobody believed that. Nobody believed it for one minute. And yet here the Republicans are saying, well, you know, we're going to pass this amendment. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to give this to you as an olive branch. We won't abolish slavery in the states. Southerners are saying, that's just stupid. We know you're not going to abolish slavery in the states. You can't. And Northerners were even saying the same thing. Well, you can, they can't really. I mean, this is uh, Northerners. Republicans pointed this out publicly. We can't abolish slavery in the states. What are y'all worried about? We're not going to abolish slavery in South Carolina. We're not going to abolish slavery in Alabama. We're not going to abolish slavery in Mississippi. Now, we're going to try to keep it out of the territories. That was Lincoln's point. But why? This gets down to why. Why would they want to keep it out of the territories? If they were such abolitionists, if they were so interested in the evils of slavery, they would have said, yeah, we want to get rid of it in South Carolina. We want to get rid of it. We're going to get rid of it there. You're just going to deal with it. Why would they want it out of the territories? Well, because of political economy, because of power, because if those states come in as free states, 
well, then you control the government. And, of course, the idea was that if there was enough free states, uh, this is what Southerners also feared. If there's enough free states, maybe they could pass a constitutional amendment one day abolishing slavery. And the South couldn't make that decision on its own. But, of course, the South can continually block admitting states. The South doesn't have to admit states. That has to be uh, through uh, congressional action. The South could have blocked that. They could have said, we're not allowing that state to come in the Union. No. Now, of course, the threshold had been put very low, a simple majority. Uh, but there was probably enough uh, people in the Congress that would have blocked the introduction of new states had the South made a, made a bunch of stink over it for the next 20 or 30 years. I mean, Lincoln, one thing that people don't realize, at Hampton Roads, Lincoln was willing to put off slavery till the 1890s if the South would just come back in the Union in January of 1865. He didn't care. We just want the Union back. You keep it. Come back in now. Keep slavery till 1890s. We'll gradually abolish it. No big deal. We'll work on some process. Maybe we can come up with colonization, compensated emancipation. His plan was compensated emancipation. He said, I'll make sure it happens. I'll make sure that we get you paid. That doesn't sound like an ardent anti-slavery uh, ideologue there. Sounds like a practical politician. And the 13th Amendment was a practical measure. That was stupid from the beginning because, again, this could have never happened anyways. The northern states could never have abolished slavery anyways. Pipe dream. So the 13th Amendment is a bad amendment. The original 13th Amendment is a bad amendment uh, constitutionally from an originalist position. It would have codified something. It was said, well, that's an implied power of the general government that it never really had. The actual 13th Amendment is, and in fact, supports an originalist position. Because Lincoln did, through the Emancipation Proclamation, abolish slavery in states that he had no authority to do so as a war measure. The Congress was doing the same thing with the Confiscation Acts, uh, trying to essentially incite a slave rebellion. Now, the British were doing this exact same thing in, in, uh, in the American War for Independence. It didn't mean that the war was about slavery at that point. It meant that they were trying to use every means necessary to ensure that the North won the war. To, to, to equate, to put the two together is just stupidity. Uh, but this is what people like James Oakes and others try to do. Absolute stupidity. Um, but the 13th Amendment actually recognizes that Congress had no power to legislate for slavery whatsoever, and that slavery was not actually abolished until the 13th Amendment was ratified by the states. So the Emancipation Proclamation notwithstanding, it didn't free one slave ever. Slavery still existed until the states abolished it uh, during this period of time. Delaware, slavery legally still existed in Delaware until December of 1865, eight months after the war is over. And even then, as Kanye West has pointed out, it still exists after that. Uh, if you can arrest people and incarcerate them, you can still have slavery. So I like this book because it does get into the... I, I like political history, so this is one that I enjoy... Uh, but it gets into this point. Now, Crofts is wrong about some things. I mean, I, he is an establishment historian. He is wrong about uh, his, his attitudes toward the South are completely biased. I mean, this guy is, is uh, uh, someone who would not be confused with trying to be impartial at all on these particular areas. But at least he's done a yeoman service in here, bringing out this 13th Amendment and trying to take down people like James Oakes in the Righteous Myth School who have no leg to stand on whatsoever. I mean, these people are so far out there. But unfortunately, that righteous myth school has become very popular, again, uh, among 
uh, people who teach history. And so this is what they're teaching. And so the war is all about slavery, slavery, nothing but slavery. Even if all the evidence that you can muster uh, is com- shows conclusively that it's not true, they still don't care because they, they run out, what about this? What about this confis- Confiscation Act? What about, what about arming black troops? Okay, um, that's somehow about ending slavery. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Um, but I like this book because it does kind of play into this originalist narrative. The original Thirteenth Amendment was not not following originalist logic. It was it was essentially saying that there's an implied power of Congress. This would have been dangerous for the future of the powers of the general government. The real Thirteenth Amendment actually recognized there are no implied powers of the general government. That you cannot, the general government cannot abolish slavery. It, it, you can't do this at all. Lincoln's move essentially was unconstitutional till we did this. You see, uh, and I, I, I think that's an important part to take away from the Thirteenth Amendment. And I get into this also, of course, in my course on the constitutions, uh, the Constitution itself, American constitutions. I discuss this when I go through the Civil War amendments. Um, so this is the kind of material you're going to get in that class. You got to get that class. It's, it's so good. If you're a homeschooler, you got to get that class. Uh, it'll it'll really help uh, augment your understanding uh, and your students' understanding if you are homeschooling um, of the uh, of the Constitution itself and the American constitutional tradition. And of course, both amendments, the original Thirteenth and the Thirteenth, are part of that tradition, and they need to be discussed that way. But um, Go out and get this book, Daniel Croft's Lincoln and the Politics of Slavery. Um, it is a it's a UNC Press, so good a good uh, university press. They do put put out uh, pretty good material here and there, um, and it's it's well worth your time to go read it. It's it's a it is a, a dense political history at times. You know, again in the weeds, you get into some of the minutia of, of the debates and going into this. But if you like that kind of stuff, you'll really enjoy it. And I think it's going to open your eyes as to the fact that Republicans, Republicans, not not Southerners, Republicans were saying we can't abolish slavery in the states. They said it over and over again. We can't abolish slavery in the states. The territories were the issue. Power was the issue. So why would the South not come back in at this point? Because they never feared that that was, they never said that was the actual issue. And they wanted independence. The South, the Deep South, stayed out of the Union, even when they were offered the carrot, so to speak, in this. This is this is the carrot. This is what Lincoln thought it was. Hey, here's the carrot. We want to abolish slavery in the states. Even though they were offered that position, they didn't come back in because more than anything else, at that point, the South wanted independence. And, of course, they had already written their own constitution. And not just that. Um and that are in their own constitution, they re- they outlined all the problems that they had with the, with the North over the years. It wasn't just slavery. It was all the problems. And so they could never, in their own mind, they could not trust the North any longer. And when you go back and look at this, the origins of Southern secession, uh, you'll find that um, there are a lot of other things going on here than just the status of slavery in the Southern states. And the Confederate Constitution points that out. It, it nicely shows that. A lot of other things going on besides just that issue of slavery in the southern states. So go out and get Lincoln, The Politics of Slavery, Daniel Crofts. Well worth your time. Um, I hope I answered the question on the 13th Amendment and that that other part of it. Uh, because that is something that, you know, Kanye West now, all the people that follow Kanye West. I've never really cared about Kanye West. Could care, could care about anything that he's ever done, anything he's ever produced, or the fact that he went to the White House. All I know, I know the left is going bonkers over this right now. Uh, which makes it, you know, funny. Uh, but um, 
it uh, it's interesting that um, we have a uh, a discussion now about the Thirteenth Amendment and and what that is, and of course the original Thirteenth Amendment with this book. I, th- I think Crofts put the book out in 2016 or, or 17. I can't remember the exact uh, uh, publication here, but it's in the last couple of years, and so. Go out and get it. Well worth your time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show, and I'll see you next time.